straight from WCHO Studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's a sibling rivalry sports show starring Chris and C.L. Brown joining Los Hermanos de Muchos Años tonight. Jonathan Alexander, UNC beat reporter for the Raleigh News and Observer. Time for a little Spanish lesson. Sibling rivalry in Spanish is la rivalidad entre hermanos. Rivalidad means rivalry. Entre means between. Hermanos means brothers. And mucho dinero is what they will be paying if they expect translation services as well, ¿verdad? La rivalidad entre hermanos en deportivo. The following is an exclusive post-credit scene from Avengers Endgame. It is the last Endgame bit that we will do on this show. Unless something funnier comes up next week. To protect from spoilers, the names have been changed of everybody except for one person. Scene, the aftermath of the big battle inside a cargo trailer being lifted off the field by a helicopter. I can't believe you survived the Battle of Thanos, Chris. CL, I can't believe you didn't. What? <laughs> and now I, the Prince of Mischief, will assume the role of CL for the entirety of this show, Sibling Rivalry Sports! CL! Wait, are you, are you CL? Or what, what just happened? <laughs> All I'm saying is how I survived the Battle of Winterfell, but I can't survive Thanos. <laughs> oh, well, look, I'll take Thanos against that white winter dude. Night King, in man. Any Night King. day. The white winter. Did, did an 18-year-old bust him up? Didn't, uh, is that a bad spoiler right there? No, it already happened. It already happened. What I find kind of um, incredible is that so many people on social media went out of their way not to give away any spoilers of Endgame. Like, why? Like, if you want to see the movie, you can talk about it. I, I, I would. If I saw the movie, I'd talk about it. Just yeah. like, you know, I guess TV is different, but I don't know. They said uh, 17 million, I think it's 17.8 million watched that Game of Thrones on Sunday, which wow. was, a, was, was a record. Hey, get this. Here's a nice little crossover. I was at another showing of Endgame, and then my wife texted me, with just all tears, tears emojis, because she was watching, she was watching that that episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So yeah, all right. Well, let's get at it though. In reality, here with the big playback. So man, um, we have another kind of officiating angle. This 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 week to discuss because the Houston Rockets after they lost Game One of their conference Western Conference semifinal against the Golden State Warriors, basically it's been a lot of complaining about calls that weren't made about how the the Warriors statistically uh, it, over the series they played going back to last year have had some kind of officiating advantage and blah 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 they were particularly upset about the way the defense of Golden State was allowed or or they felt basically would foul their Houston's jump shooters um, coming under their landing spot when you go up as a shooter you know, you're supposed to be protected to land, and they felt like Golden State was infringing on that spot, and none of the fouls were called. So, 
I'm tired of <laughs> I'm tired of people blaming officials. We know how CL feels I, about officials. I am so tired of people blaming officials, in particular Houston, uh, which was without their way to get the analytics behind it too, and and you know try and present a case to the league, and the league was like, we're not, we don't agree with it, we're not buying it, and in some respects they trolled the the Rockets in the game they played on uh, on Tuesday night in Game Two because. This one referee, now I can't remember his name. I think it was Steve. I can't remember his name. He's been known to bump heads with Chris Paul, with uh, James Harden, and the Rockets. They don't have a good relationship. I think the last game he officiated of theirs was back in February or late January because he ejected. It was funny. He gave him the small T with literally two fingers and made the T <laughs> and got Chris Paul out. But they feel like he had some kind of, after the game, James Harden was like, he's got some kind of vendetta against us. So they, the NBA assigned this guy game two even after Houston makes their complaints in, in game one. But um, I say all that to say, to bring up just at what point do, do people take take in account that officials are humans, mistakes are going to be made, every call is not going to go your way, and just play the game. Oh, I, I got You know, I always want to come at your 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 stance on officials. I always want to see if I can get you to budge even a little bit. See, so yeah, let me ask you this: in the history of you know, popular sports in the history of big time sports uh, has. Uh, do you think that there has ever been an instance where a referee made a call which was egregiously wrong? Yes, sir. Okay, and therefore would have been it would have been acceptable for some action to have been taken with regards to that. What action do you mean? Do you mean? Uh, you know, do you mean coaches and players yelling at that? What, what do you mean <laughs> action being taken? That happens in the NFL that, anyway. That official being taken off the next game? I don't know. What what action do you mean? The next game's too late. It's an L. It's an L. Well, what happens in I game? mean, replaying the ACC championship game, Clemson, Clemson, North Carolina. Replaying the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad call. <laughs> but I don't remember I don't remember all the plays in that game, but I'm sure there were plenty of other plays during the course of that game that Carolina did not execute. It wasn't on or officiating, it was because Carolina didn't do players didn't do what they're supposed to do. That's what I come back to. Officials are going to be the same as players, the same as coaches. We're all human. Nobody's going to be 100% right. You have to control what you can control and let the chips fall where they may. Yes. And even if Carolina gets that onside kick, that doesn't guarantee a Carolina oh, gosh, yeah. That's very, very true. Now, somebody recently tweeted, hey, what one Carolina play would you take back in history and, and have it redone or something if you could do that? And uh, a lot of people said that, but I was thinking, well, that doesn't mean that they yeah. automatically win. Yeah. You know, you want to do something else. But anyway, uh, well, let's talk about Chris Paul, though. Chris Paul, would you agree with me that he's a pretty high-character guy? And so seeing these things Love happen, Chris Paul. seeing Love these things happen with them, it's just don't you think it's odd with the same guy, with, with the same guy? Winston Salem's yes. second best. <laughs> second, who's okay? Who's first? Ninth wonder, <laughs> rap producer extraordinaire. Um, oh my! God. I'm kidding. It's it's, it's CL Brown. Shoot, I represent Winston Salem. But anyway. Um, <laughs> 
No, but, I mean, you could say Chris Paul high character, but I could grab some NC State fans that'll talk about him punching Julius Hodge below the belt when Lake Park's played <laughs> NC State, and that's their picture of that. They would be like, this is your king? This is your high character? Oh, my so, goodness. So, Chris Paul can get in a heat of the moment like anybody else. Um, I, I don't think he's... I. I I don't think he's above reproach in any situations. Like, he's such a high-character guy that he wouldn't be complaining if something wasn't out of line. Superstars in the NBA chip away at refs the same sure. at coaches as coaches do to try and set up calls. Sure. So, you know, I mean, yeah, they probably, uh, it's probably legit beef, you know, that, that they don't like that ref. But... This ref is in place. And, and I mean, Houston missed 27 three-pointers when they lost Game 7 to the Golden State last year. I don't want to I don't want to hear about no officiating. You know what I'm saying? Well, if you I know that the player is going to run into you and take out your legs, then, yeah, you're no. probably going to miss the— No. <laughs> I'm just messing. Oh, by the way, I, I, I do need to stand in opposition to UCL. But I think Chris Paul is above reproach. Um, well— <laughs> I'll let you have that opinion. <laughs> I love Thank Chris you Paul, for though. allowing me to have that opinion. Don't, I appreciate don't, that. I mean, I'm not going to try. If that's what you feel, then that's what you feel. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love Chris Paul. Don't get me wrong. But in this situation, I, I can't agree with the Rockets. I can't, I can't agree with them. And some of those, when you watch the videos of some of those shots they took, they were they were basically lunging towards the defender. They weren't going up and down. Little, they were trying to draw the foul. So little acting. Yeah, yeah. So especially in those cases, like stop crying. You yeah. know, get up and play. This ain't simple solution, Seal. <laughs> simple. Get the sky judges now unemployed from the. Uh, <laughs> I can't even finish it. I can't. Even. <laughs> If you laugh, I'm dead. If you laugh at something, I'm dead. <laughs> the AAF. But, I mean, I, I think in general, though, I think this is a problem not only for the NBA. I think it's it's we see the effects of this in college football, in NFL, um, in college basketball, maybe to a lesser extent. But uh, we need to get away from this just blaming the refs kind of of narrative and and thinking the refs have so much control and they you know they are deciding the outcomes of games cuz last i checked still about if you can put the ball in the basket if you can execute and make that block you know it, it's it's about what you do yeah and when the Lights went off um, right after halftime of the Super Bowl, the 47, that the, the Ravens were in. So, somehow, the Ravens could control that, too. Yeah, the refs turned the lights off. <laughs> they ran up there. They ran upstairs <laughs> and turned the lights off. All right, well, we're gonna, we we got to keep the lights on, CL, somehow, and that is by our wonderful sponsors. So, folks, please give them an ear and then come on back for an excellent guest that it's about time, CL, that we have this guest. We'll talk about that. Jonathan Alexander from the Raleigh News Observer joins us right after this break. Come on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us tonight is a first-time guest. He covers the University of North Carolina for the Raleigh News and Observer, Mr. Jonathan Alexander. Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. Welcome to the show, man. 
What's up, fellas? How you doing? Hey, see, I, I you see, I threw in the the background cheering for you. That's 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 yeah. to make up for just not asking you to be on the show. I, I appreciate that because, like like I was saying a little earlier, I was telling you, um, I, I'm honored and I'm a little hurt. It took me so long to be on you. <laughs> At the same time, yes. Well, we we were trying to uh, you know uh, cater to your schedule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You're busy with football and basketball, heavy. You know, now it's it's a little bit more of an off season, so I, I figured I figured you would have the time to be on now. Now is a good time. Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. Now's the perfect time, so I'm ready. I'm, I'm primed and ready. No yes. doubt. Well, yes. let's start with men's basketball uh, because it's it's like Carolina's doing it a little bit differently this year with the amount of guys they lost in Cam Johnson, Luke May, Kenny Williams to graduation and then early entries to the NBA, Nasir Little and Kobe White. Um, Roy Williams is having to recruit a little differently this year. Um, yeah. can, can we just jump right into the, the graduate transfers that, that, they're, that they've gotten already and that they're looking into? Can you, uh, can you just kind of tell us about um, what, what it seems like how it seems like Carolina's building this team for next year. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said earlier, you know, Roy Williams hasn't really dipped into the graduate transfer um, um, pool uh, in his in his history. You know, he's had some transfers, but Cam Johnson was really that first guy, that first really talented guy he got, and it, it worked out. Uh, Cam Johnson was a, a really good player for UNC. And uh, they just got, the, um, you know, they just got somewhat Christian Keeling uh, from uh, College of Charleston, who's supposed to be a really good player, 18.7 points per game, led the team in rebounds as well. Just read a story on him. It seems like he has an interesting story. And, uh, they're, you know, they're looking at Justin Pierce um, out at William and & Mary. And, and, um, and, you know, I don't know how far along they are with Ray John Tucker, but I remember – at one point, uh, Ray John Tucker from uh, Florida, uh, from Arkansas, Little Rock was uh, looking at uh, UNC as well. But um, those talks seem to have died down. But um, you know, it seems like Roy Williams is trying to build uh, with these graduate transfers we'll have for just a year. Um, and then, of course, you got you know Cole Anthony, who's a one-year um, uh, player. So he just seems like he's just trying to fill in the gaps right now with some really good talent. Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, uh, Ray John Tucker. I, I kind of feel the same way about him. It's funny, he played, he's from Charlotte, and he played uh, for Jeff McGinnis, former Carolina guard Jeff McGinnis, um, in, in their uh, AAU basketball program. So I thought for sure he might be somebody who leaned heavy towards coming to Carolina, but he still, I know he took visits to uh, to Memphis and Auburn, and uh, and it did seem like it just kind of kind of died down. But Christian Killing, um, you mentioned him. He's he's gonna be that three point shooter that that you know yeah. Cam Johnson. I guess you could say he's gonna try and fill that void. And and they desperately uh, need to make sure they have some with this team coming back. Um, just one correction: Killing was at Charleston Southern. Uh, not not oh, uh, yeah, College of Charleston, yeah, but um, but it's also interesting yeah. too. Justin Pierce kind of has another backdoor Carolina connection with with uh, having played at William and Mary for Tony Shaver, um, a former Carolina player under Dean Smith, uh, who just got let go of William and Mary. So um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think it's it's 
it, it'll seem like this will be, even though those guys are experienced, uh, whoever ends up coming graduate transfer-wise, joining Keeling, it's still going to seem like it's going to be a, like a freshman-type class because everybody will be new, you know, um, yeah. even even with those guys. So uh, how fast they kind of come together will be something to keep an eye on. How, how do you feel like last year when they went to the Bahamas before the season, how do you feel like that kind of helped them gel early in the year last year? I mean, I, I think it really, uh, they, they kind of came together. I mean, a lot of players talked about it. You know, it helped them come together, learn each other. They became friends off the court. And I, I think that helped with their chemistry throughout the year. Um, there wasn't many fights within the team. They seemed to genuinely care about each other. And you can see how that was when, uh, you know, Najee Little, Kobe White declared. Um, they were, they seemed to be really supportive of each other. So I think that, that helped out. It'll, it'll definitely be a little tougher this year. And I, I, I definitely wonder how they're going to come together. You know, uh, uh, Mike Shesky has made it work to a degree. Um, and having players come uh, year in and year out and, and gel and, and perform well, um, even though he hasn't won since 2015. But uh, I mean, he, his teams go pretty far, and um, and and there are other people who do the same thing but haven't worked out. So, and I, it'll it'll definitely be interesting how this group, without that pre-trip, um, how quickly they're able to gel and come together. Folks, you should follow Jonathan on Twitter at John M. Alexander. Uh, and one thing I noticed on your pin tweet, very interesting, you know, some of your favorite stories and, and features from this year. I, I did want to ask you, though, two two questions out of that. One is the the video of you and Kenny Williams on the confidence story that you wrote about it, that the video of you guys playing NBA 2K. How did the, how did that turn out and, and who were you? So, um, you know, it, it turned up. I, I kind of let him win. <laughs> I, I, got, I got distracted um, with my questions, but nah, it was a close game. Um, mm-hmm. I got the Warrior. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm a Steph Curry fan, and he got the Rocket. So oh, okay. I mean, it was kind of like an even match because both teams are stacked. Right. So it wasn't like I had the advantage or anything like that. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Steph Curry fan, being that he's from Charlotte, and. Uh, and the game came down to the final possession, and I might have lost it. Um, but I'll get revenge at some point. <laughs> okay. Hey, and uh, similarly, uh, with your, your feature on Cam Johnson, uh, you guys played horse. So and you said you almost won. Can you give us the inside scoop on that one? I, okay, so I, I am very proud. As CL knows, and, and I'm sure you're a watcher of Carolina, and uh, college yes. basketball, Cam yes. Johnson was one of the best shooters in the country. Mm-hmm. I made him get HOR. To me, that's considered a win. <laughs> you can make one of the best shooters in the country get HOR. That should be considered a win. And that's, and that's my opinion. And I'm, I'm living with that. Tell me different. You'll stick with that. You're going to ride with it. Hey, hey, little little bit of advice. Maybe next time play pig instead of horse. And boom, you got a, yeah, you got a W. Because I took an early lead, too. I got HO. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, I mean, he had H O and I had H, uh-huh. and then he kind of just took over from there. So maybe I do need to play pig next time. Say <laughs> that I almost beat him for sure. 
Hey, one, one more question uh, about basketball, men's basketball. Um, I wanted to ask about Cole Anthony because he's the highest-ranked recruit that Carolina's had since, uh, I believe, Harrison Barnes in 20, 2010 when he was number one overall. Um, do you feel like the the success that Kobe White and Nasir Little had uh, last year as as freshmen, because a knock on Roy Williams has been uh, something that coaches negatively recruit against him has been he doesn't like one and done players because they you know Carolina yeah. hadn't had a ton of them. But do you feel like the success of White and Little might change that narrative? I mean, we we see you know, and and Anthony will probably add to it this time next year, uh, being somebody who yeah. uh, who comes out after his freshman year. Um, how how do you see this kind of playing out uh, moving forward? Yeah, more so uh, for me, White um, than Little. I think White was the best thing that happened to uh, Roy Williams because they saw the freedom um, that Williams gave him, and he excelled at it. There was a lot of rumblings about Najee Little and his struggles, and uh, people were kind of continuing that perception and and saying that, you see, um, Najee Little... um, you know, was, you know, they consider him one of the best players in the class, and he's struggling, and he comes off the bench, and 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 Roy Williams doesn't play him, which, you know, it, you know, in the grand, it didn't really make sense for people who followed the program closely or people who were realists about it, because there was no way Roy Williams was going to sit um, uh, Cam Johnson or or Kenny Williams. Those those were true. Two of his most important <laughs> players that year. Yeah, and Najee a little struggled on his own, I don't think because of the system as much as his own struggles with his confidence. And and he's kind of a raw player at the same time. And then you had Garrison Brooks, who was, um, according to Roy Williams, the best defensive player on the team. So there was no way Nice was going to play above them. But you saw Kobe emerge um, after the first 10 or so games, and he kind of just, or first eight or so games, and he kind of just took off from there. I think that was the best thing to help because you know and and that he left too because Roy Williams could say you see and he tried to put that out there you see I have I do play freshman um one and done can be successful uh in my system I, I let them go and I think that really helped Cole Anthony and I think it will continue to be and, and as you can see has been a domino effect they got Cole Anthony Armando Bacchi and um and is it uh, Anthony Harris uh, even though Anthony Harris might not be a one-and-done player. But I think people are seeing that, and they're, uh, I think that, that – and Kobe, I think Kobe White more so than Nigel Little has definitely helped yeah. uh, or will help you to see with recruiting one-and-dones. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to women's round ball because yes. we had big news this week uh, with the women's program um, hiring Princeton, former Princeton head coach now, Courtney Banghart. Uh, how how much can you just kind of expound on on maybe the process uh, that that it took to get her here and and kind of what uh, what Bubba Cunningham said you know was instrumental in making that hire? Yeah, he um, you know we spoke with him briefly and, and Courtney Bankard on a teleconference and you know after Sylvia Hatchell resigned um, you know they conducted this search. And according to Bubba Cunningham, they were looking for the they they were looking for the best coach possible. You know, he didn't have in mind that he wanted to um, not hire somebody who had connections to Sylvia Hatchell. He said that wasn't the case. 
they just went and hired the best coach possible, and uh, Courtney Bangart uh, emerged from that. Um, she before she got to Princeton in 2007, Princeton hadn't been to the NCAA tournament. You know, they missed the NCAA tournament first time, two years she's there, but um, she made it to the NCAA tournament eight out of the next ten years. In one year, uh, she finished the regular season um, 30 and 0. Uh, and won the first tournament game and then lost the second one. So uh, he has a proven <laughs> track record as somebody who can turn around a program, somebody who's smart, somebody who knows how to win. Now, and she's young. And, you know, when Carolina hired her, I think they wanted somebody who could be at the program for a, a, somebody who's young and, and proven and somebody who could be with the program for as many years as possible, at least 20, it seems like, in this case. Now, I, 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 this is a question maybe you can't answer, but we're, we're just speculating here. So, in reading the tea leaves, does this mean, do you think that uh, Athletic Director Bubba Cunningham, once Roy Williams retires, would he make the same kind of, I'm looking for the best coach available uh, uh, angle in terms of finding a replacement, or I'm looking for the best Carolina connection <laughs> coach available you know somebody who you know has an obvious tie to to the program you, you know that's that's a, that's a, a hard question for me to to answer i i, I i've i've kind of gone back and forth with this I, I i know duke for sure wants to hire somebody or coach said, coach k said as much he wanted somebody to hire within the duke family carolina it, it seems like it's been going that way lately uh the talk around I, I I'm not quite sure I'm trying to think of who could be that person is there like who do you think would be is that next young up and coming emerging guy in the Carolina family um no I just to me with the brand that UNC has I think if there isn't one clear guy then I think they will go with the best available. And, and, and to me, Roy hasn't really talked much about that he's wanted to have uh, somebody in the Carolina. He, well, he hasn't really spoken on it much. And I remember asking Bubba about it uh, early in the basketball season. He had, like, Roy Williams going to stay forever. Yeah. Until <laughs> uh, he was 100. And he claims that he hasn't thought about it at all. So and that, that makes it hard from a, a reporting standpoint. Uh, to answer that question, yeah. Uh, but well what do you, what do you think though? As far as like who could, who from the Carolina family could emerge as that? Well, um, I think. Uh, well, first and foremost, let me be clear that I, I I don't anticipate Roy stepping down anytime soon. I don't think he's necessarily going to finish out this contract and still be coaching in twenty twenty eight. But um, I I think that he's got a lot of years left. So so we'll be <laughs> candidates that might be, well, people that we might think are candidates today might not be five years from now or whatever. But all that being yeah. said, um, I, would, I would imagine with the success right now that Wes Miller has had at UNCG, if he continues on that track, um, uh, I, I would even imagine he'll have an opportunity to leave UNCG for a, a bigger type program. Like if he continues that trajectory, he might be somebody who'll be a candidate. I think Jerry Stackhouse yeah. at Vanderbilt is going to have success. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that he would be somebody 
uh, who would who would be a viable candidate um, down the road. Um, those those are really to me that's that's it right now because everybody else. I mean, you look at at a King Rice at Monmouth. Um, they haven't had the success that that I would think you would need to make that higher. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Monmouth that one year should have got the NCAA bid and didn't after they beat, uh, I think it was at one at UCLA. They had another big win non-conference that I can't think of right now. Um, but you got to make to the tournament if you're at one of those schools and you got to make some noise. You know what I mean? And you got to be consistently yeah. a winner. And and uh, that hadn't quite panned out like that. So we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about this plenty more times, <laughs> you know, yeah, in, in yeah. the coming uh, years. Did you want to add one more in there? Well, you know, uh, you, the only thing I want to say is that we're going to make it up to you, Jonathan, uh, the way that we excused, you know, your presence because of your busy schedule. We're going to make it up to you this summer because, hey, you're nearby, so we can just have you in studio as an in-studio guest. How, how's that sound? How does yeah. that strike you in the future? I, I, I'm excited, man. I'm jumping for joy right now. <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait, man. Especially, right. especially y'all, nah, y'all know y'all my boys, so I'll be down anytime. <laughs> appreciate we that. appreciate it. It's all right. I was Jonathan Alexander with the Raleigh News and Observer. Stay tuned. I'll keep it locked on 97.9 The Hill, and we'll be back after this break. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. Time to talk about NFL Draft. Just any little reflection, CL, from the NFL Draft. Well, locally, having Daniel Jones, the controversy around him being picked six. But I mean, I guess it's only controversial for Giants fans. <laughs> who thought he shouldn't have been picked at that at that point in the draft but man to me Gettleman uh, the the Dave Gettleman the GM for the New York Giants has put Daniel Jones in a horrible position off top you know what i mean Why do you say to, that? because it, he he will he will always be right now the guy they pick six for the guy that they jumped ahead to pick six, and so he's he to me he's backed in the corner if he doesn't come out if he has some which rookies will have if he, if he's ever put in that situation I should say because Eli is still the quarterback right, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know even even once he takes over eventually. If he struggles early or whatever in New York, True. they're gonna bury him. Giants fans they're gonna right. bury him. He's he's yeah. that's that's a horrible decision to me to put a kid in that situation. But you know what, CL, part of that that gents nation up there is uh that they, they destroy the quarterback. I mean Eli, Eli, two Super Bowls, they destroy him regularly. So Eli can pass that on. He can say, hey, Dave, you, this is, you're going to run into this. You're going to run into this. But it's, Daniel, it's, I'm sorry, Daniel. It's not like Eli has been playing well and getting destroyed. Eli hadn't been great in a minute. Mm, you got And then you can make the argument that he's only been great in the postseason when they won those oh, Super Bowls. My, yeah, well, that, that's a whole segment right there. <laughs> did you see what I just did, though? I said Dave. And that, that is another thing that people are going to go to. Dave Brown, oh, former yeah. Duke quarterback, yeah, yeah. that came and he tanked 
and pe- I think people are going to associate that as well. So, I, you know, we'll see. But, but you know, props to Cole Holcomb out of Carolina who got drafted. And, uh, you know, a surprising element about his speed came up during the draft, like that he has very uh, legit speed for a linebacker. So, you know, uh, best wishes to him. And speaking of speed, that's what the Ravens, my Ravens went for in the draft. And I, I kind of like it, although I think the whole speed narrative is overblown a little bit. The Ravens are, you know, very much equal opportunity according to their board that they stack. So the people that wound up coming to the Ravens, like Marquise Brown in the first round out of Oklahoma, who is the fastest, I guess he's the fastest player in the draft. Uh, he, he, yeah, I, lo- I love the speed and everything, but I, I don't think that that's all they were going for with like Justice Hill in the fourth round. It wasn't just speed, it's a versatility. You can go through all their picks, man. Well, I've, I'm not. I'm not going to go through all the picks. <laughs> I was just saying, speed is been a hear big. About yeah, the right. I know you don't want. You definitely. And you know what? See, you don't want to see the Ravens next year either. You don't want to see this. Well, you up, know what? I'm upgraded not seeing the Ravens next year. Oh no. Well, <laughs> or you any got, other but, NFL team. You're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about them. Man, did you see this? This isn't this is draft related, but this is more on the college side of it. Did you see about Eric Dickerson basically tweeting that Mike Leach at Washington State Hall of Fame running back Eric Dickerson is is an agent now, which I didn't know. And so uh, one of his clients, I forgot his name. Uh, that's a theme today, man. I'm forgetting all kinds of names, but. He he's a, a Washington State days. running back who left after his junior year. Leach wanted him to come back for his senior year, and Dickerson basically was on Twitter saying that Mike Leach was, was sabotaged his kid from getting drafted behind the scenes because he was talking bad about him to to NFL uh, execs, personnel kind of people, and so Leach. Uh, Leach didn't really fire back, but uh, I, I read a story in the Seattle Times about it or whatever, and you know, uh, he he was basically like, you know, Eric's gonna say what he says or whatever, but we we try and prepare the kids and blah blah blah, and and, and you can look at it like, why would he do that? But I've known coaches who. Um, I'm not going to say they bad mouth, but but are honest about kids. And if they don't like them, if they don't uh, if they don't like you know their pro potential, I'm saying I like them as a person. Um, they they won't hide the fact that they don't like how this person works or whatever. They don't like how they do X Y Z execution wise. Um, I've known that to happen. I, I've actually I have known a situation where where coaches bad mouth the you know a, a former player who's trying to go to the league too. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Leach did it, mm-hmm. if especially if he wanted him to come back. Hey, CL, are we coming? And again, this might be another topic for another day, but are we coming to an age where that's going to be illegal? Because, you know, think about the HR realm in the business world. Really, if, if a person gets fired from a company and, and they go and apply to another company and that company goes back, to that company cannot say, this person was horrible. And if they do, they open themselves up to liability. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. And so we're, we're looking at things like compensating players and these types of things, developing for players. But the thing is, how would you even prove that? You know what I mean? It, especially if, if we're having an off-the-record conversation, I'm the head coach and you're the NFL personnel guy, and we're talking off-the-record. And I know you for 30 years, and we've been having these conversations all mm-hmm. through 
And I'm like, ah, this kid is terrible. His work ethic is, you know, you don't want this guy. He's he's going to be a cancer in the locker room, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? How, yeah. how would somebody prove that we had that conversation and, yeah. and I said bad things? You're right. You're right. There's a network, and that would be hard to break open. So it's true. It's true. Good stuff. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, I know this, though. I don't think that we're super far down the line in knowing where teams are just because of a, of the draft. The draft was interesting. I think it's, it's awesome to see these players get excited about, you know, where they're going. And I, so I think almost equally awesome, CL, is the players that go undrafted that get signed in the next two days. I love seeing that. And I'll tell you right now, there is a receiver out of Louisville who, who got signed by you by the Ravens because he's been working out with Lamar Jackson and he was Lamar Jackson's top threat there and I think this Jalen kid is going to be he's going to make the team and he's going to be a factor just you heard it here first heard it here first and I'll remind you if that's not the case. <laughs> I'm sure you will, CL. That's what you're here for. Folks, uh, and, and I know what you're here for. You're here to hear more great radio, and we're going to bring it to you right after our friends give you a couple messages on this break. So come on back for the Brown out here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9. The Hill. Thank you for coming on back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Final segment. Time for the brownout. The brownout. The Carolina Hurricanes bandwagon is filling up. Are you bumping Hamilton the pig out of the way to make room for yourself? I've been saying I want to go to a Hurricanes game for a long time now. And I've actually been watching the playoffs um, when I can, actually. Uh, I've watched a few games. So, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask Hamilton to to slide over or whatever, however a pick moves, however you would describe that. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get a spot on that bandwagon. A good mascot fight is never to be missed. But, uh, um, no, I'm still very bitter. <laughs> The owner of the Carolina. Listen, uh, you know, see, I do, I do another radio show uh, called the uh, Sports Roundtable, KGNW, Seattle, Washington. Check it out. But anyway, uh, they call me the villain because I'm the outsider on that. Right now, I'm going to be the villain inside of Carolina and say, no, I'm not going to pay attention. No, I'm not going to the games. You know, I wish him the best, but not the owner, though. I'm still mad at him for what he did to the AF. Next. Former Arizona men's basketball assistant coach Book Richardson is on an FBI surveillance tape saying head coach Sean Miller paid DeAndre Ayton $10,000 a month while he played at Arizona. Should Miller be fired immediately? So, of course, Sean Miller should be gone. I actually think probably we should have asked the question of, of how much would you have gotten on the black market of recruiting if you were coming out. <laughs> oh, man. 10000 a month has to be pretty high. Yeah. That's a high value there. Uh, hey, man, um, due process? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's an FBI tape. It's, it's not, I didn't overhear him at the airport or something. This is an FBI surveillance tape. Right. He, sh- he should have been gone when ESPN reported it. What was that? In 2017, I guess. But 
that's that's the way it is right now in the NCAA. A lot of coaches who probably should have been gone because of this investigation. Ironically, Rick Pitino, it seems like he, he's actually been exonerated through some of this testimony because one of the guys got, got caught on tape saying Patino has no clue of what's going on. Like, literally, he says that on, on tape, and Patino's been fired already. Yep. But some of these guys who have their hands dirty, they're still coaching. We'll see how it plays out. Next question. The Arizona Cardinals traded quarterback Josh Rosen to Miami, meaning number one overall pick Kyler Murray will officially begin his reign this fall. Ultimately, who do you think will be more successful at quarterback? Oh, yeah, man. This is a great question and you brought up CL uh, yeah I think here's what I think year one Kyler Murray will be far more fun to watch that's going to be a fun offense to tune into yet I do not believe that Cliff Kingsbury has the fullness of what it takes to make it long term so I, I would say long term I actually think that Rosen's going to be a better option I like um, the coach that Miami has brought in there uh, out of New England and the, I, I think the Miami's building something will they be ready week one of this season no because they play the Ravens but anyway I think going on long term Josh Rosen what if I say even? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Kyler Murray just based on what I saw of him at Oklahoma. I think he is one of those exceptional talent. Obviously, he's exceptional talent. He's the number one overall pick, and he could have played baseball. He was a first round pick. I think he's the first person that's ever that's ever been the first round in both uh, the NFL and Major League Baseball drafts. But um, I do like Rosen though, and I and I hate the narrative on him that kind of came out even when he was at UCLA. That I just don't know if he cares about football enough. I hate when people say that, man. <laughs> you, like you can't have any other interest but football. Last question: North Carolina's Kobe White defended point guard Seventh Woods' decision to transfer after being included in a tweet from a fan criticizing Woods. Would it be a deterrent if more players responded to things like this? Well, you know what? I think that um, I think that it would be. I really like the fact that Kobe White decided to to speak out on behalf of his you know former teammate at that point, Seventh Woods, and also say, hey, don't don't put me in that. That's not a good look, and don't put me in that. I like that. It won't be a deterrent though, because. <laughs> People on social media, that's that's why social media is what it is, man. People don't think before they say stuff. They react uh, out of anger sometimes and or, or whatever they're reacting off of. I can't get in the minds of, of some of these people out there. But that's, that's why it's kind of, it, for all of the good and fun you can have in it, like like discussing in game or something like that, you know, you have you have the sewage, <laughs> you have these these valleys where people just dwell and want to be negative. So it wouldn't it wouldn't stop it. It'd probably be fun to see some of the clapbacks. To be honest, like Kobe clapping back at this guy, but. True. Anyway, right. that wraps up. <laughs> that wraps up. Wait, I, I do have one last question yeah. for you, just to make sure you're not looking. You're actually CL Brown. What was your? <laughs> we got to ask you a question that you only you would know. What was the name of your team in the Tudor Football League back in the day? Which one? I changed it like every <laughs> every season. There were the Blue Bland Blue Bandits. There was the Storm. 
Yes. Um, I remember the storm. I feel like I had one more in there. The Blue Bandits. The Blue Bandits. No way. I don't <laughs> really remember blue that. Bandits. Wow, look at that. I painted that that box. I kept them in. I painted it blue. You don't remember that? No, I do remember that. Yeah. Now that you say that, I remember the blue. Bandits. Nice. Nice. Okay, you are CEO. All right. Well, having clarified that, folks, uh, then we can, with good conscience, ask you to come on back next time. Thank you for joining us this time, and we're going to continue to bring you the best sports talk possible. My name is Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill.